Al Jazeera podcast. Has Russia pulled the plug on Wagner? British reports say Moscow may have stopped funding the mercenary group. So where would that leave Moscow's interests worldwide? What's the future of this private army? I'm Sami Zaydan, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring our guests into the show. We have joining us from London, Patrick Bury, a defense and security specialist at the University of Bath. In Moscow, Sergei Markov, a former public spokesman for President Vladimir Putin and director of the Institute of Political Studies in Moscow. And in Birmingham, Stefan Wolf, professor at the University of Birmingham and specialist on post-conflict state building in war-hit countries. A warm welcome to you all. If I could start then with Patrick. So, Patrick, the British Ministry of Defence says it's possible the Kremlin has decided to end funding for the Wagner Group. How much actual evidence do we see of that, though? Yeah, it's an interesting one, and uh, thanks for having us on the show. Uh, Defence Intelligence, which is a part of the Ministry of Defence, says it is realistically possible. So using their language, basically that puts it in the area of about 40 to 50%. So they aren't sure uh, uh, from, from using their sources. But what we have seen in terms of some of the contracts and other open source reporting is that Prigozhin's Wagner Group, obviously Prigozhin is famous for being Putin's chef and supplying him uh, in the earlier years uh, with his catering business and also then increasing that business uh, around Russia and in particular with contracts in the Ministry of Defence to feed the uh, Russian army. And what we have seen since the war started was a lot of complaints online about the state of the food from conscripts and such turning up and complaining about the lack of food or the quality of food that they were given. And immediately after the rebellion in June, the Kootenai, as we could call it potentially, um, the, we started to see reports that those the ministry, the Russian Ministry of Defence had cut the catering contract to Prigozhin. So uh, you can see that it, the, the impact, of course, between the MOD and the Wagner group of the rebellion has been to push uh, those Prigozhin's business interests out from the Ministry of Defence. So that's one example of, of the evidence that we have from open sources. All right. OK. Sergey, is that the general picture that you're seeing? Does it look like the Russian state is beginning to cut back and end its funding to Wagner? Uh, I think uh, that uh, uh, Wagner uh, group will be uh, reorganized. Uh, you know, uh, Wagner group is, uh, uh, first of all, it's uh, the best private military group uh, in the world. Everybody understands that why so big attention uh, to that. Uh, same time, uh, and Wagner played a very important role uh, in the uh, Ukrainian war. Uh, in the battle of the Bakhmut, uh, Wagner not just uh, uh, took Bakhmut. Bakhmut is not important strategically from the point of view of territory, but uh, Bakhmut was very important strategically uh, in terms of time. Uh, Russian army needed time to prepare uh, its uh, defense line against uh, preparation against future. Uh, attack of Ukrainian army, which is proxy army of United States and uh, NATO. And uh, uh, Wagner uh, give this uh, half of year to the Russian army uh, and play a very important role. 
bazen, e vërgodi no, azet Evgeni Prigozhën, ju sa në kanë përbelen, and it's great a lot of situation. So, Russian government now needed, first of all, to save such, you know, people who was part of the Wagner group, and they're not criminals. 80% of them not criminals, but they're former retired officers from the special troops, to save them and also to use them in the Ukrainian operation of the liberation of Ukrainian people from the repressive pro-American regime and also to use them in another country because Wagner now has great... Coming back to the point, Sergei, do you see any trend or indication now that the Russian state is ending some of its contracts and funding to Wagner? No. This financial support decreased, but not a stop, because Russian government now has to reorganize other dimensions. 90% of them will continue to fight in Ukraine, and 10%, I think, will be used in different African and Asian countries. Okay, we'll pick you up later on the point of reorganizing, but coming to Stefan, is it clear that the Kremlin has actually decided what to do with Wagner and its leader, Progrosian. The, the reason I ask that is you, you look at some incidents that have happened since June. At one point, we saw authorities raid the home of the Wagner boss, and they seized a lot of money. But then they returned the money, $111 million, we're told. Why the back and forth? Well, I think it's very hard to judge whether uh, the Kremlin has actually decided what to do with Wagner. Um, so, I mean, that would require a level of uh, intelligence that certainly is not available on, on open sources. Um, I think what we need to bear in mind here is that Prigozhin and the business empire that he has built over the years extends far beyond Wagner. Uh, and so there's the use that Prigozhin potentially still has for uh, for Putin. So obviously Wagner is sort of the, the headline news, uh, if you want, and has been for, for many months now. Uh, but at the same time, the uh, global network of um, offshore companies, shell companies that Prigozhin has built over the years still is also very important for Putin in terms of uh, dealing with the sanctions regime that has been imposed uh, on him. So actually getting stuff into Russia increasingly also depends on the types of business empires that people like Prigozhin have built. So even if we see... So is he basically, Stefan, you're saying he's too valuable to completely eliminate? Again, I mean, this is very hard to judge because it's not entirely clear how much control uh, the Kremlin or anybody close to the Kremlin could wrest from Prigozhin over um, sort of the, the breadth of his uh, operations. Uh, but I would certainly say that the very fact that Prigozhin still is alive and seems to have um, a certain degree of uh, freedom of movement would indicate that he still uh, has significant value uh, to the Kremlin that uh, Putin has decided that he is worth okay. keeping around. All right. Let we don't have anyone on the show who is very close to Pogrosian, but we do have Sergei, who was the public spokesperson for Vladimir Putin and close to the Kremlin. So maybe we can ask you, from your perspective and your understanding, Sergei, why hasn't the Russian president punished, as he put it, those responsible for treason, was the, the, the announcement he made. 
Two months later, we've seen no sign of that. Is that because Progrosian has proved to be too valuable because of the networks of commercial interest he's built up? Progrosian is not uh, valuable now uh, because, uh, uh, as I men mentioned uh, before, Wagner played a very important role uh, uh, last year. Uh, help Russia but why has he been prepared. punished then? Uh, because he is not guilty. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, some conflict with, uh, uh, between Prigozhin and the Russian Defense Ministry, and uh, both countries, both sides was a little bit guilty, a little bit right of this issue. So it was not a rebellion against Russian authority. It was but not who, rebellion who then, against... Sergey, help us to understand, who did Vladimir Putin mean then when he said he's going to punish those uh, who are treasonous? If he wasn't talking about Wagner or, or Prigozhin. Uh, you know, in the hours when uh, Wagner group, Wagner uh, uh, fighters uh, moved to the uh, Moscow, it was very important to give strong political uh, 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 words about uh, this attempt, and Putin made it. After it's over, uh, Kremlin uh, decided that. Uh, 90% uh, of the Wagner group should be uh, taken from Prigozhin, and they will stay to fight uh, in uh, Ukrainian uh, battlefield. About 10% will stay with Prigozhin, and he is uh, not uh, any threat. And also, he keeps personal loyalty uh, to uh, Vladimir Putin and ready to, uh, to serve to the country as the president of Russia will, uh, will tell them uh, to serve. So, uh, no, the reason uh, to punish them. Uh, what is the reason? It's to give too big power to Evgeny Prigozhin because it's clearly that he already used this big power uh, in the uh, not uh, uh, right uh, right direction. So now, as a result, uh, the Wagner uh, group, which controlled by Prigozhin, will be uh, only 10% from the previous. All right. Let's uh, bring Patrick back in. So, Patrick. What we hear uh, from Sergei in Moscow is that Progression isn't guilty of anything. And to the question of do we see any sign in, a, in ending or cutting or downsizing the state funding, no, Sergei says. How does that gel then with a very different picture than what we're being presented with in the West from Western sources like the British Military of Defence? How do we gel those two pictures together? Yeah, I think there's, there's two things going on. The first of all is that, you know, the, what we can all agree on here, and Sergei mentioned it, is Wagner and also UK Defence Intelligence are, are much more confident in that part of their assessments. They said it was likely, so 55 to 75 percent, that, that Wagner is undergoing a reorganisation and, and a restructuring. So the next bit is then is how, how likely it is that the funding from the Russian state is being cut or cut completely. And they're much less, as I mentioned, confident in that. My reading of it is that, look, Wagner and the Russian MOD were clearly not getting on. And so there's been a decoupling there. And secondary to that is to get Prigozhin and the bulk of Wagner out of uh, Russia slash Ukraine. So to deconflict and, and, and dampen that down, get them out of there. So some of them have gone up to, uh, to Belarus. We're not sure exactly how many. Um, Patrick, how important is... is state funding then to the Wagner Group? If this is 
really going on, if there is some kind been, of... Yeah, you cited yeah. open source information that you says suggests that they're at least downsizing some of their contracts with Wagner Group. Is that the yeah. lifeblood and survival of Wagner, state contracts? I think some of the MOD contracts were for large numbers and therefore quite important. But I think if you look at Wagner as a global enterprise, um, a lot of their, and again, this is, you know, I don't have excellent sources into this or any special insight, but what we do know is a lot of the deals they cut with the uh, regimes they end up supporting in Africa uh, involve either access to resources uh, in, in return for providing their services or uh, just cash deals. So that's one element, the support to other regimes, but also they further Russian interests by providing protection for Russian overseas assets like the GRU, for example, intelligence units, uh, and work closely with them. Now, we don't know the exact nature of that relationship at all, and how would we? You know, that would be something for the intelligence services to unpick. But we know it exists, uh, again, in open source. And I wouldn't understand, and I wouldn't be able to speak confidently, how much of a monetary value they get from that element. But that would right. be tied to elements of the Russian state too. Yeah, I can understand. It's going to be hard to put a number on this kind of yeah. question. But, Stefan, you did mention Wagner's network of commercial uh, interests and assets around the world in Africa, mines, uh, resources. Is that enough to keep the group afloat, regardless of how its relationship with the Russian state goes? I would imagine so, because it worked well before um, the massive increase in, in state funding. I mean, some of the numbers that have been floating around uh, in Western media is that uh, sort of over uh, sort of the first 12, 15 months of the war in Ukraine, uh, Wagner may have received upwards of a billion dollars um, worth in payments uh, from the Russian uh, state budget. Uh, Obviously, a lot of that was linked to the massive increase in um, troop numbers. Uh, so the uh, recruitment campaign that uh, Wagner carried out in uh, Russian prisons, uh, the tens of thousands of um, uh, contractors that it then used in uh, Belarus. I mean, all of that was way beyond what Wagner was before. I mean, uh, as Sergei mentioned, I mean, the core of Wagner really is uh, maybe up to 5,000 veterans of um, Russian uh, special services in the lead units. And those have survived quite well uh, uh, before the war in Ukraine. And I would imagine that they will continue to survive quite well, uh, for example, through mercenary services that they provide to various African regimes, uh, the uh, protection to overseas Russian interests and so on. Plus, um, sort of the close intertwining of this more hard power uh, operation with the uh, commercial interests of Prigozhin. I think that will keep his um, business empire as a whole uh, quite well afloat, uh, possibly for, for years to come. Sergey, you mentioned that in your reading of the situation, the Russian state has decided to reorganize Wagner, as I think the words you chose there. Does that include looking for other alternatives to Wagner, other avenues or tools to extend Russian power? Uh, first of all, I think that uh, uh, this uh, private group, uh, using generally military private group, uh, have been regarded as, first of all, unsuccessful. On the other hand, it's quite uh, dangerous. Uh, but uh, uh, what is the solution? Uh, it looks like that uh, uh, 
uh, private group should be used, but without such uh, ambitious uh, people like uh, Evgeny Prigozhin. Uh, I know him uh, a little bit uh, personally. He is a, a very extraordinary personality, I would say. And uh, I would say uh, new private groups, uh, uh, which uh, possibly uh, will be used by Russian government, will be uh, under the more bureaucratic uh, control of the uh, more uh, grey and responsible uh, people. So you expect so the growth uh, of new private military groups? Uh, we don't know. This is not decided yet. What is decided that those uh, new private uh, military group, which already was in process of formation, they, it looks like that they continue uh, uh, to work and possibly they uh, will be used. Uh, but at uh, the same time, uh, new decisions about new groups uh, have been not uh, made uh, yet. Uh, and uh, I believe that so, so to exist, to abolish this uh, Probably not uh, rational, but uh, uh, to create something new in such conditions, I think no one uh, would uh, uh, come to the president with uh, uh, those ideas. So uh, mm -hmm. it means that, uh, but now the problem is that already mentioned something about 5% of the Wagner group in Africa, 5% of Wagner group in uh, Belarus, but 90% stay uh, in uh, Russia. What to do with them? It's something about 45,000 uh, people, and they're extremely professional. These 45 uh, will fight as uh, 150. Uh, so how they should be organized? Either they should be kept uh, all together with their identity, or they should be divided to uh, just uh, another uh, military units. It's uh, still in the process, and we don't see any evidence all the uh, answer to this question, yes. All right, time will tell, I guess. If I can bring Patrick back in. So what kind of alternatives does the Kremlin have in extending its power overseas right now? How important, vital is Wagner Group, not only as a fighting force, but also, as Stefan was explaining, a, a, a nexus of commercial interests? So my reading of this is it doesn't potentially need that many other. There are other options. They're all smaller and less um, less well known, but also less capable, as we understand, than, than Wagner. Uh, inside but Patrick, Russia. do they but have really the same sort of network of shell companies no, that we're told no. are are helpful in getting in navigating Western sanctions? Uh, no, they don't. If you look at what's happening, my reading of this would be... So does that make Wagner, Wagner still very special yes, for the Kremlin? Yes, of course. Mm. Of course. Because if Wagner have proven that if they're too close, yeah, they're dangerous. So where do, their, where do their both their interests, Wagner's interests and Putin's interests and the Russian states align? Well, they align if you put them in Belarus, a contingency of them there, to train the Belarusian forces, keep tabs on Lukashenko and also keep the Poles worried. That is a great use of Wagner resources. They align if you told, tell them to get down to Sudan and start um, fomenting rebellion down there to potentially open a second front and more instability in Africa. They align if you do the same in Niger. So that is that's what's going on, you know, and that it's where do their interests align and where are they still useful versus where are they too dangerous to keep close? 
That's what's going on. And therefore, I don't actually think there's a massive, as long as Wagner can fulfill those um, those missions of, of, you know, fermenting rebellion and siding with with military uh, autocracies, you know, autocracies in these places, um, it, it's, it's a win-win for Putin as well. The lesson is just don't have them too close. Sergei, do you think the appetite is growing in some parts of the world for Russian influence, for Wagner, in places like Niger, we've heard. It's been reported that Niger's coup leaders have reached out to Wagner, or maybe in areas, as Patrick was suggesting, like Sudan. Uh, you know, uh, everybody knows that uh, uh, Wagner Group is the best uh, uh, private uh, security company in the world, with great advertising. Everybody uh, knows about it. And uh, secondly, uh, I think, I think that might be more of a matter of opinion, might it not, Sergey? You might get a different reading if you speak to some military analysts who looked at some of the Wagner operations in Ukraine. Uh, you know, as I understand, it's uh, more or less, uh, some people can say, oh, they're awful, they're devils, but uh, almost everybody agrees that they're very uh, professionally doing the uh, military job. Um, and also, we can see I, that I in critical of instability... All right, we'll come Africa. to you in a minute, Patrick. We'll let Sergey finish up the thought. We'll come back to Patrick in a minute. Go, go ahead, finish up the thought, Sergey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see increasing of instability in Africa, and we understand more instability in Africa, uh, more demands of such uh, uh, groups as uh, Wagner. And because it's absolutely very well known, uh, they have, uh, I think uh, they have a lot of suggestions for uh, contracts in African okay. countries. All right, Patrick, go ahead. You wanted to come in. I think you had a slightly different perspective on this. I was just saying, I don't agree that Wagner are the are the best uh, private military security company in the world. No, I think that needs challenging. They they have proven themselves, especially in Ukraine, at the rapid rate of growth and their ability to integrate Russian military systems, i.e., given to them by the MOD, as formidable, as large, as willing to take casualties. But if you are looking at uh, private military companies from the West, they would have obviously. Um, uh, I would say pound for pound, especially the ones that recruit from special forces, they are smaller, but they would have a higher skill level uh, and potentially a lower profile and certainly a lower uh, record of, um, of human uh, rights abuses, etc. All right, let's bring in Stefan. Um, does the Kremlin have a choice to make here in some areas, if it's true what's been reported, that some areas, some parts of the world are looking for assistance from Wagner? They're looking for Russian influence. But at the same time, if the Kremlin has now got some second thoughts about Wagner after the whole excursion in June, does that mean it's got to make some hard decisions about how it shapes the vehicles of its future foreign influence? Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. I think the choice that the Kremlin needs to make is what kind of influence it wants to uh, project around the world and how this influence will play out in the long term. So as we have seen, for example, at the uh, Russia-Africa summit in St. Petersburg at the end of June, uh, I mean, that clearly was um, an event where sort of Russia tried to project itself as a stabilizing uh, a force, as a force that would 
continue or to what would contribute to to leading the global south, uh, which is generally more uh, disaffected with the uh, current U.S.-led uh, international order. But at the same time, I think the track record of Russia in actually um, achieving this kind of influence, both commercial, uh, economic development, but also militarily, is is not that great. If you look, for example, at right. the situation in Mali, where Wagner has been uh, uh, active for quite some time, and the security situation there has not at all uh, improved. So, I mean, effectiveness of Wagner um, is really Need not... some review. There's no... Exactly. There, there, there's right. no real track record of uh, Wagner providing the kind of uh, uh, greater security. What they do do and what their value is, is they support uh, uh, regimes, so very narrow elites uh, in these countries uh, to Got retain it. their grip of power. And that is All useful right. for Russian foreign policy. All right, I'm afraid we are out of time, so we're going to have to leave it there. Let's thank our guests very much, Stefan, Sergey, and Patrick. This episode was produced by Mohamed al Aishi, Katia Lopez-Oriyan, Fungi Nguyen, and Jimmy Getahun. Studio sound was by Yasser Rahmani, program was edited by Manish Matai, Khalid Sultan, and Jody Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode. This week on The Take, China's been hit with a pink wave thanks to the release of the Barbie movie. What's behind its success? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.